Welcome, welcome aboard for another Blur Lines episode. We have a special, special episode for the Table of Truth uh, for tapping in. We got two special guests from the feature film, Playing Sam. We have the director, Ramon Pisante and Jenny Ruiza, live and direct. Say hello, folks. How you guys doing? Hello. Right. Thank you for having us. And before we go, I want to introduce my other co-members. Before we start, we got, as usual, the man on the right. They call him. Call me Dark Lord of the Caribbean Sith, known as Dark Coconut or Josh. Either one. <laughs> that is a new one. <laughs> <laughs> and to my left. I am always, today and forever, the professor. I'm here to teach you guys, and I hope you listen. Welcome aboard. Thanks, thanks. How you guys doing? How you guys brother doing and sisters doing? Dark Coconut. I'm going to use that. It's all yours. Do I, do I smell? Do I smell a roll? Oh, there we go. Well, Josh was in our uh, a short film I did. His voice. He did great VO with a cameo. Yep, he did a cameo in a short film we did called Subpoena. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Josh. Yes, sir. You've been on this pod for how long, and you did not say you've done some VO work. I've done lots of VO work. Oh no, no, you didn't say specifically for these two guests. Oh well, no, no, I didn't. I I don't. I've honestly almost almost forgot that I did it because it was literally just like one quick line of dialogue. Yeah, and you caught. Wasn't that one line? Oh no, it was one line. You're right. It was a couple of them. It was a night. My bad. It was the whole thing. But I'm pretty sure you you kind of did that, like, you know, where we all have worked together in the past. And I'm pretty sure you probably did that, like, just pulled him to the side in between words. Like, hey, Josh, can you can you record? That is exactly <laughs> in the middle of the work day. That yeah. Exactly how. That's all I mean by movies. I mean, T, are you kidding me? I was going during the day. You make this for me? Like, Josh, can you do some video for me? Yeah. I go to the actors. Hey, man, can you cut the scene for me? I, I, I was hustling. And I, I, also, I also mixed his short before that one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Grapes. Right? He mixed grapes. He mixed grapes. Yeah. Grapes. yeah. Okay. Wow. It's, that's it's, six it's, degrees of separation. Josh is a man of many traits. Barely. Yeah. Yeah. speaking. Pardon me. That is my uh, AI no, listening. Look at you worried about your kid. Oh, it started. Big brother was listening. This is how it begins. So you have that you have that enemy in your home. You need to get that out. Where's exactly. Siri and then Skynet? Skynet. Then your lights are gonna start flickering and you're gonna think you're in the conjuring universe or something like this. This is how it works. Before we go down the rabbit hole of Josh's <laughs> many talents, uh Ramon, tell us about how this project came together. Oh, well, you know. I think when I was uh, during the pandemic, I actually had time to dwell on something. And I was like thinking about this short film that I was about to crowd for, crowdfund for. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. And I'm like, I have to be stupid to try to crowdfund uh, during a pandemic when everyone was, you know, it was just a wild time to ask for money. And it was like, it was like right. Maybe if I was a week shy of executing the crowdfund. And then I kind of took a step, a big step back. And then I go, well, wait a minute. Maybe I should think about doing something that's going to challenge me. 
Uh, and then I started thinking about, you know, what were the things that I had access to? Uh, and I started thinking, you know, the school of, you know, making a film with what you got. Uh, and then um, around that same time, uh, I started noticing a comparison between Jenny and my mother, because my mother was an actress in the 80s. And that was something that spoke to me and uh, just about how she, they shared an experience, uh, similar experiences uh, of wanting to be a Latina actress from New York and wanted to be seen for who they are and not for what, you know, mainstream wanted them to look like or sound like. And I, it was just something that I heard. I remember like just speaking and noticing that a lot from other Latino artists and actors. And then that was when I was like, well, and then I started noticing films like Mumblecore and I really got into Mumblecore for like a good period of time. It's like, about what that is because, uh, well, two things, one, we have to acknowledge that your mother plays the casting uh, director, right? She's the yeah. Um, Class moms? Yes, that's a mother. That's a mom. mother. Yeah. Shout, yeah. Out mom. Shout out to mom. Shout out. Uh, same. What's mom's name on the on the? Phyllis. Phyllis. Oh yeah, Phyllis. Yeah, exactly. So right. shout out to her. She she was great, and um, I think that I brought that up because you made those two comparisons, and I remember watching the film and knowing that background and thinking that's a that's a cool parallel seeing um jenny as sam um and talk you know performing with one of the inspirations of her character so that that was great um and then the other thing is i want you to talk about what mumblecore is because i remember when you first told me you were doing that you probably remember my reaction was not that gracious or you know, not, you know like what the fuck is mumblecore i've been in cinema you know doing cinematic things a long time never heard of that um so yeah explain to uh, to us what that is and how you um how you use that mode to make playing sale well <clears throat> i noticed uh in the early so i looked into mumblecore i remember seeing a uh a South by Southwest in um, uh, one of those uh, key key speaker moments with this guy. His name was uh, Joe Swanberg, and he spoke about how he was just in this in this mode where he just wanted to make make stuff, but he wanted to make these things in a faster rate, right? And so and and in a small rate. So well, I remember one time he was saying about how he made seven movies in one year, right? And he did it all in this style with mumblecore, where it's it's a lot of impro improvisation, improv, and it's a really, really small stakes, just really small stakes. And I started doing, I, I went into like this rabbit hole of all these like filmmakers that are now very successful today mm -hmm. that had their start in the mumblecore like genre. And so the idea is it's just, it's just people talking in apartments, you know, and people are being authentic and real and uh, it's plotted, but it's not a heavy plot. It's more their character studies, their experiences, you know, and uh, I remember uh, Barry Jenkins. That was his very first feature film. He had saw that the mumblecore craze, he, he, he got on that timing. He, he understood the timing and he saw that the mumblecore, uh, you know, um, movement was happening in austin right out of south by southwest so yeah. people like joe swanberg 
uh, uh, Mark Duplass from the two Duplass brothers, uh, uh, Greta Gerwich, uh, uh, and and that he was like, okay, I'm going to make medicine for melancholy. And he goes, that's going to be my first feature film, and it's going to be a $10,000 film, and it's just going to be two people walking around San Francisco and doing these things. And that was his first feature that got him uh, the attention that he was uh, yearning to get, then move into Moonlight. So when I was approaching this, I'm like, this is going to be a heavy learning experience. And I, I came with knowing that, all right, this may not be a big success. This may not be uh, any kind of like, you know, uh, of, uh, you know, this is our Oscar movie. But when you're, when you lower your standards and you're like, okay, we're going to make a film with what we have and we're going to just try to create like an experience and we're going to do it in a very nimble way because we shot this film in five days, right? So we're going to, we're going to just really just find a way to tell a complete narrative in that time. And we're going to be loose with it. We're going to, we're going to collaborate. We're going to, we're going to try things. We're going to fail. We're going to succeed. We're going to, and then we're going to rewrite it and edit. Yeah, that's exactly. I, and I knew that walking in, so I felt comfortable doing that. And uh, and then I was able to lean on Jenny and Mark Mark Rain because they had great chemistry and they also were great improv actors. So uh, I a lot of that were, jumps out. If I can yeah. cut across you, a lot of that jumps out in. I, I think you established that really well in the breakup scene at the beginning. Yeah, that's the first. That's probably the first sign that i had that that was what you were doing and again kudos to to both the actors and you recognizing that in them because it jumps out right at you in that breakup scene and it's consistent that was one of the things that i noted this is probably tonally the most consistent of the films that i've seen you do and it jumps out in the dial in in sort of a lot of the repartee between the subjects on the screen yeah um, and I think that's a good segue because I the next thing I wanted to do is talk to Jenny about the performance of Sam. And I know that, you know, again, these this story, what's great about it is that it's it is one that is one that you recognize a lot and especially if you are an actor and if you're an actor of color and if you're if you are involved in this business, you know the different hurdles and the challenges. So I guess my question to you is, is how much of Sam is you and how much did you kind of, I know it's improvised, how much did you like create for the character or was it, or is it kind of very syner synergetic the whole time? I think because Sam had to be her authentic self towards the end, there were some synergies between myself and, and her. But a lot of what I saw in Sam and what I see in Sam is sort of this desperation to kind of use anyone, and she does, to break into the industry. The issue is that it backfires on her and she has to decide if she wants to continue on that path or if she wants to create a name for herself as just being totally comfortable with who she is and just present yourself as, look, I am Latina. That's it. I don't need to explain it. I don't need to up the accent. I don't need to you know, come in immediately telling you a chancleta joke, like, I'm just going to be me. And so I think that part of Sam has is really uh, is really a reflection of who I am as a person, because there was a point in time where I felt like 
I needed to take every single audition that came my way and I needed to play whatever role that could get me a speaking part on a TV show or a film. And that, you know, I wish I had a great, uh, you know, soundbite for you. But the, the, the reality is that any actor who will say yes to everything won't find a lane for themselves that is specific and that will cut through the noise of what we constantly see. So I think a lot of um, the journey and being an actor is reflected in who Sam is. I'm just, I think, a little more, you know, deeper into my career than than Sam. Sam was me when I was in my 20s. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so you guys have been on the, the film festival circuit for a little bit. Uh, why don't you talk about that? Like, how's that experience been for you with with the with the uh, with the film? Before you start, <clears throat> um, did the, did this movie hit the circuit during the writer strike, or a little bit after? A little bit after, I think, right? Or maybe around the same. Was that April? When was the strike? Because uh, the strike yeah. started a little in late mid summer, I believe. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. So yeah, because we we, we we premiered it in June. Right, because oh, you know how I know because they they premiered, uh, they cloned Tyrone there, and they were all there for that. Oh wow! Okay. Right, yeah. So we okay. saw like John Boyega and all of them there. So I was okay. a bit after that. Yeah. The reason I ask is because uh, I too used to be a filmmaker, and we had a project doing the first writer strike a few years back, and mm -hmm. I wanted to compare and contrast how that experience was if it was during the middle of the the writer strike, but if it was. After the writer strike, I'm curious to see how the reception and the outcome was for that as well. I, I can touch on some pieces of that. I mean, you know, I think what was interesting at our New York Latino Film Festival premiere was that it was right in right towards the tail end, if I'm not mistaken, of the writer strike and and the actor strike. And so, because of that, it for me it, it felt like I don't know if I have the permission to go out and celebrate because there are so many complexities and nuances of what rules you had to abide by. But then um, the reception itself, you know, once we got the clearance and, you know, we're a totally independent film not associated with the AMPTP, that was something that was like, great, you have a green light, go and enjoy and have your moment. And the the experience of, of uh, being at the New York Latino Film Festival, but also the American Black Film Festival in Miami was where we first premiered was, I think, phenomenal in two very different ways. Our first audience didn't know us at all, didn't hear about our names or, you know, they just they didn't know us. And there was so much love um, and acceptance given to that where actors came up to me and, and even writers and producers like I saw myself in that. And that. I think means even more when you don't know when people don't know you and you see, oh, this is resonating with audiences that I maybe normally would never come across. And then New York is New York. I was very nervous about New York. I, I don't, you know, like I'm born and raised in the Bronx. I've, I've been here my entire life, and I know New Yorkers are harsh, and they do not lie. But that reception was, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Top five best moments for me in my career because there was so much love in the room from everybody and when you can have that in new york i think that's a pretty special accomplishment especially it when will, all of this is happening yeah. no doubt. it will no. yeah because it's our peers yeah. you know and our peers are like oh you guys me you know you went ahead and did something that not on many of us are able to do 
Yeah. And and you did it well. Uh, what? But uh, at AVFF, it was like, who are these people? And we sold out. Like there were people standing in the back, and we just had reason strangers coming up to us quoting the film. Which That's was, awesome. Well, it's that, a, that, it's that, that film was amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. a testament to the polish of the film. This is. Yeah. Is it? This is not your. You know, you, you enter some of these contests and you look at some of those films. Like I've had films that I've mixed entered into contests, and looking at the other films, you look at them like, you, you, you really wanted people to see this. <laughs> <laughs> like you, yeah, no, no. you let this out of the garage. Yeah, um, I've been and, and this, and so, and so, I say that to say that this is not that. This no, is. No. This is you. You. Again, it's it. I go back to what I said before. Totally, it 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 has a sameness to it. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. deviate at all. You don't you don't really you know. And kudos to 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 your editor Bert Bert Lewis, um, yeah. as I well as you know, you know writing and directing. It just took on a certain uh, took on a certain direction, and it just stayed the course from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was well, yeah. And, um, you know, that's like my sticking point, and so. I was really impressed with you guys' writing of the, of the script and how you handled the characters. Um, the the beginning, middle, and end, I thought was really good. You know, I've always talked about nailing that what the essence of the film is in the first 10 minutes of, of the script or the film. And but I clocked it at eight. I was like already, I was in there. I was, I was like pulled into the world of Sam and invested totally into that character and, and that, in that arc. So it was the, the writing, I, you know, again, I, I'm not, sometimes I can be a little critical. You guys know that, but a, lot critical. a little, wait, <laughs> that's all right. I, I love that about you, man. Yeah. But this was, I enjoyed it. Um, and stepping into from a short to a feature is never easy. You know, and so the fact that this is your first feature, it just shows like all of those things that you picked up from working on your shorts mm-hmm. in the last few years were building to this. And that's why I think this one came out just like a, a home run, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to just say, man, that you introduced me to filmmaking, you know, and, you know, I'm I'm so grateful that you actually took the time to explain to me why certain movies were shit that I thought were amazing. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of like completely <laughs> out of your world. Until I met D'Angelo and he, and he made me realize the nuances of Pulp Fiction and why it was problematic and I felt horrible. I will say this. Stand on your ground if you feel a certain way. D will will have a sound argument for why something is terrible. But if you really feel that you like Pulp Fiction, say you like Pulp Fiction and have facts to back it up, don't be afraid to against this guy to let him know that Pulp Fiction is actually a solid movie in your eyes. But I got you. Yeah, you know, until the last act. But we'll, I'll let you have it. This is, this is the day for Ramon and Jenny. So I'm not, not going to tread on... on <laughs> not today. At least not for another twenty minutes. So I had a, I had a, yeah, I had a question for Jenny. We'll come back to that. <laughs> I had a question for you, Jenny. Um, yeah. Talk about the chemistry that you had with the other players uh, on screen, mm-hmm. because it seemed like 
there was a synergy within, you know, credit to Ramon for casting. But, you know, you you as the actor had to sort of make the rubber meet the road with the other actors yeah. that you were that you were playing against. So talk about the chemistry uh, between you and the other actors that that uh, that you were on screen with. It's it's palpable. Like it's, it's oh, cool. and I, so talk about your experience. Yeah. So Mark and I have known each other for, I want to say close to 15 years. We've, you know, we go way back. We used to shoot sketches back in the day. Um, and I think because of that, we, there was an, an immediate comfort in that, you know, I trust you, you trust me. If we're not feeling it, let's talk, let's, let's say it out loud. Um, and so there was a lot of trust there in that, uh, in, in my scene partner with, with Mark, with Alana, I hadn't met her before. So Alana plays my best friend in the film and she uh, and I actually had a session before rehearsal where we just sat for three hours, got to know each other on a very intimate level. Like it almost felt like a big therapy session where I was sharing things I don't normally share. She was sharing things she doesn't normally share. So when we finally got in the room, it was like, bestie, come here, bitch. Like, you know, it it was a great experience. And then with um, with Bill, Bill Demerit, who plays my uh, ex in the beginning, who's such a wonderful player. Uh, I had only did one rehearsal with him prior. He is insanely talented and hard to keep up with. So he definitely kept me on my toes. And I knew as an improv performer, I better be on my fucking A game when we were doing this scene together because he's, you know, it was almost like I was I was like right at, at his heels. Um, and that made for a really awkward experience, which I think translates fairly well in in the film so you know he he sticks to his role i i i want to interject real quick so that scene between you and your ex um yeah the fact that you built chemistry with your best friend in the film over a three-hour session and you barely had time with your ex really resonates well with how the characters interact in the actual scene because i actually felt really it was a cringe moment but we've all (laughs) this so let, let me give some context so this whole movie, why it resonates with me is because I can resonate with the characters. We all know that one character mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, comes from a certain culture and can't really identify with that culture. We all, being in the industry or familiar with the industry, we all know that grind to become an actor or get the scene and the audition and whatnot. So for me, seeing your character progress from this raw, trying to figure it out, to this well-polished, developed person near the end of Discovery resonated with me personally because i've seen that i've lived that i'm familiarized with that and that's why i felt like when i got into the movie i felt like i knew you guys mm-hmm. uh-huh. so yeah. you know i felt like I, these are friends of mine yeah so that and this probably translates well to i think it was the african-american film festival you guys went where no one knew you but they knew you afterwards yeah mm. I, I i feel the same connection yeah, I agree. I think um, just hearing that story about, you know, your the fact that you knew Mark for 15 years, that comes off uh, across really well. But the other two and just meeting them, I mean, I would have thought that you guys knew each other for years. But obviously, mm-hmm. it's the the performance mm-hmm. says that, you know, that these characters know each other. And I think that is the strongest point of the writing of the storytelling is that this is a character first film and right. you know i love those and uh, and it's all about um sam's arc from that first moment where she's disappointed about how the the um 
not just the the breakup scene, but the the uh, the disappointment in the audition and all mm-hmm. that she takes to come along that way toward the end where she finds not necessarily it's not a happy ending, but it, there is a, a a peaceful resolution to the conflict in her in her life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ramon is really great at putting together safe spaces when you're working with him. And I think if you are going to enter into a film that is mumblecore, where you have to, where you're essentially improvising the conversations, just giving, you know, having had it, having had the beats of the scene ahead of time, uh, you have to be able to be in a trusting, safe environment to know, cool, my scene partner is going to take me to where we need to go. Or if not, we'll get there together. We'll find it. And if we can't find it, then Ramon will guide us there. Um because the scenes did run fair each take, I think was what, eight, 10 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, where it was like, we're going to get there somehow. So <laughs> we're going to find those beats. Yeah. We, that, and that's why um, it took a year to edit it because uh, it was a lot of free flow conversations and with two cameras. And we're like, okay, we're going to have to cut a lot of things out. And then, or Frank invite things in that, you know, that I, you know, you know the part when, my mother uh when you walk away jenny and you're upset and my mother goes i she said yeah. that right that was a bite my mom said to my associate producer who opened the door during her her line <laughs> that's amazing i had no idea that's, that's great More than, <laughs> that's like, oh my. and then the poor producer was like and <laughs> 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 We need to take that yeah. down by and yeah. we need to put right. it right when Jenny has her little her little hissy fit. And she goes, I need lie. And I was like, that's the most authentic kind of like line you know, in that. <laughs> right, movie. right. You know? Uh but yeah, it was a lot of just being <laughs> real like crafty and edit. Um I will say that the scene in the kitchen, the breakup scene was the very first thing we shot. Uh the, the very first scene we shot, which was the longest scene. And also the one that this that that uh, version was probably the eighth or ninth version of the scene that the uh, the editor and I uh, worked on. Um, But Bill helped set the tone for the entire film. He did, and it was a very and I really do love that because it was our film, because I was financing it myself, because it was mumblecore, we were able to find our way through this film. Because at first there was a lot of things that I thought were going to be said and had. I had a couple of jokes that I, I tried to have them say that just wasn't working. And then Bill, you know, kind of just did his thing. And then I always kept in mind that interaction throughout the film. When I go, look, it's got to feel like, like we got to just talk through this and just, again, talk over each other, bounce off, you know, bounce yeah. off, you know, these, uh, you know, these conversations. So. It was just like, a, it was a eureka moment when we shot that scene, you know, for the entire film. And Mark was on set during that scene. Alana was on set during that scene. Everyone was on set during that scene. And I think everyone understood the assignment after they saw that. And I got God, this is what we need to do for the entire film. Well, that's okay. funny you say that because that does set the tone perfectly for the film. The before, I mean, it it's there, right there. And again, that's what you want in a film in the opening, you want that one scene, that one thing that this is what this film is. At the heart, this is what this is. Thematically, uh, narratively, it's there, right there. Yeah. Couple but, questions. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, go for it. Sorry. 
Okay, first, uh, Jenny, am I looking at the actual set? Uh, <laughs> you actually are, okay. yeah. <laughs> Very familiar. So, <laughs> so for the people who are listening who who can't see what we see, I'm actually, <laughs> if you do get a chance to see the flick, I'm actually watching one of the set designs of an actual room <laughs> of one of the scenes in the movie. So I was like, hold on, this looks very familiar. Uh, <laughs> two, this question is kind of goes to both of you, but in different aspects. Uh, Ramon, remind me if, or correct me if I'm wrong. You started a lot of your projects in the mumblecore, independent, guerrilla style filmmaking, kind of ad-libbing and stuff. And this film itself seems more of a more structured like it is, it does have elements of uh, ad living and, and and collaborative stuff. Can you compare and contrast this particular structure of film opposed to the earlier work? And Jenny, you said you've been in the game for since you're 20. So, yeah, I want to understand. Can you compare that moment with your ex in contrast to like a more scripted dialogue, mm -hmm. more on the line? And one more question for you, Ramon. Did you want to envision, I don't want to say yourself, but the characters, how you envisioned them come to screen? Or do you want, did you allow the actors to let them be themselves, play that character? Yeah. I, so something I learned very early on my second film, uh, which was Grapes, was that when I was trying to audition for the character, the lead character in that film, um, I... I thought I knew the type I wanted until someone walked in and showed me something I didn't realize it could be. And I realized moving forward that you have to give the role, you got to give the feed, but you got to give the role, give the character to the actor and have them show you what they can do with it. Because I love that. I love that I can hand something, something to somebody else that's an expert at it. And they give me something that I just, I couldn't even imagine. That's what I, 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 I don't. And then when I did my first short film, which was in the movie that I, I hate so much, I was trying so hard to, to, to control what people said, how they said it, the way they said it. And it was like, I was trying too hard to control, but that was the moment when I realized that and like when Andrew Santiago did grapes, he came into the audition and I just laughed my ass off. I'm like, this is the guy. Holy crap. He came in and he showed me something that I didn't even think it could have been. And I think yeah, the I players have to contribute their, their, they have to make their contribution to your creation. Yeah. It, it becomes something yeah. else. Once you start letting it be, you sort of sort of flower into its own thing. Yeah. 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 You gotta be water, man. You gotta be water. Filmmaking is in itself a collaboration. So you may, Jenny may be the lead, the believer, but she's also a filmmaker. You just like the writer, the director, the, the editor, the sound guy, it's all a collaboration. So when those pieces come together, the way they did do for this film, you, you, this is when you see like the best in filmmaking. That's why I said, we're praising it to high end because it's self-financed. It's the, it's, rare that you see a real independent film in today in today's cinema you know it usually has some kind of financial backing um but to do it all yourself and then knowing that 
you know, because uh, I remember I would check in with you be like, hey, man, how's how's playing Sam going? You know, it's like early in the post. And I remember we, we, t- we would talk about it and you would I would ask you, you know, your feelings. And it was always inspiring to know that you were just keeping you were keeping it going. You guys, you had a good team with you and then you guys were working through that. And, you know, um, from the moment you started this project. I had a feeling like, man, this is going to be something, this is going to be big for, for him. This is going to be the thing that really pulls you into your own as, as a filmmaker. I think I was there for the exception. So I know, <laughs> I know that journey and I know uh, how this guy felt about <laughs> the end of all that. And I think it makes, it makes me happy that you've now come to the point where, and I've told you this after each one, you know, whatever you don't do, or you felt you could have do could have done differently. File that into your filmmaker's notebook for the next time. But don't hark on what wasn't. Just continue with what is. The exception was what it was. It was a good learning experience. But because of that, we now have playing Sam, and so that's 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 the 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 real crux of that journey. And that's why you know again, it's connecting those two. You you've arrived. No, yeah. P- listen, I'm glad I spent because I also self-funded that short film, the first one, and it was some of the best film. Like between working with you, D'Angelo, and you, like exposing me to so many different things about filmmaking, and, and just like you know, you you gave me a bunch of. I remember you lent me a bunch of like Hitchcock movies to watch. You you gave me so many different references and things to watch. Uh, uh, what was try? That's not just a moniker. I actually try to be a professor sometimes. You are a professor, <laughs> my man, and you know. Um, but yeah, man, it. it I. I'm glad. I, I'd rather do that than go to film school. I would, you know, than just pay and just fail my ass into into it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, Jenny, your question. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I got to do with uh, with filming, playing Sam that I've never been able to do in my career. So. You know, the fact that it was collaborative and we were all able to, you know, say, hey, can we try this, these couple of lines or can we go this way and see if maybe this is going to feed into the beats a little bit better and and having that collaborative where we're all on the same page as we film. Um, But also being able to present ideas for character building. I think like the difference between being a part of a film like Playing Sam and, and, you know, being a part of other productions has significantly been different because for other productions, you do the work beforehand, you know, you, um, you're you locked into that. There is no changing of characters on a set unless you are lucky enough to have that type of a collaborative. And, you know, I'm a greener actress, even though I've been doing this since I'm, you know, 20 years old, not a lot of people know who I am. So for me, this is a, this for me feels like a come up. This for me feels like, okay, cool. I can give my ideas and they mean something. And I can, you know, trust that I can build a character and trust myself in that process. Because when I was in my 20s filming, all I cared about was looking cute <laughs> on a camera. I didn't want to get ugly. I didn't want to make weird faces. I had to constantly be, you know, seated a certain way. And now I'm like, I, you know, I just want to look like a person on that. Like, like you were saying, people that you know. People that you can pick up the phone and be like, I could probably like you might maybe if you saw me in the street, you might tell me something that you wouldn't normally tell me because we've met for the first time. Like those are the type of people that I like to portray. And um, 
you know, I, I just, I wasted a lot of time in my twenties trying to, trying to be cute and that you live and you learn. <laughs> Let me ask you a further question. Um, where did you start? It was the stage or a film? It was mainly stage. I did a lot of, um, you know, sketch comedy, musical improv. Um, I did, I tried my leg at stand up comedy for a little bit and I don't talk about those days much because they were terrible. And, um, but I love being in front of a camera. I think there's something special about capturing real authentic uh, moments on a camera where you can touch someone and not be in the same room as them. Uh, so I like that challenge a little bit more, actually, probably a little bit more uh, than I do being on a stage because being on a stage makes me nervous as hell. It's like a live audition. I don't want to do it. Just give me the role. I promise I won't fuck it up. <laughs> Very interesting. Cam camera doesn't lie, you know. Those right. nuances, when the close-up happens, it, it tells them a lot without saying anything sometimes. But that audience, I understand that not one that live audition because it is like they're judging you. If you mess up, like they're right there, but the camera puts that distance between. Right. And there's also, I mean, you know, I look at someone, I know it's very cliche, but I look at somebody like Meryl Streep, who I absolutely admire, like every other actress out there. But when you really pay attention to her emotions and these minute slight little facial expressions because she's so deep in that moment with her scene partner. Those are things that I can watch over and over and over again. And that's the type of work that I want to put out into the world because and ask it, like I said, ask any actress and they're probably going to cite a Meryl Streep or a Leonardo DiCaprio as their top five. Um, and there's a reason why they are a con constantly um, popping up in those conversations because they have mastered the authenticity, whoever they play. Um, and so that's, you know, that's truly the body of work that I want to leave behind as, as a legacy, however long it takes me. Let me ask you this really quick. Um, the Meryl Street book, because I talked to Ramon about the mise-en-scene, the book. Somewhere there, back there. Yeah. I see it back there. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> was it always back there? Yep. It was always in that spot. Yep. So you guys, and so when you decide to frame that, you knew that that conversation would be right there in the middle between you, uh, Sam, and um, forget the friend's name, the character. Anna. Anna. Yeah, and Anna. And they're going. And so, again, that's one of those really good things where you look for, you really know what to look for in cinema, where the, the, scene, the, the scene, the environment is also telling the story. So I'm mm -hmm. glad you brought that up because that was one of the things that I really pointed out is the mise-en-scene was good in this film. The The environment was telling the story as much as what the actors were saying and doing. Yeah, because it came up. Like the Meryl Streep book came up. Like, do we want to keep that up? I'm like, hell yeah. Right, this right. Is who they inspire to be, you know? Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and that came across instantly. As soon as you see it there, it's like, boom. Mm -hmm. That's that's the That's the... The letting the environment tell the story at the same time as the actors doing their thing and the cameras doing its thing. So it, it's yeah. really move. Good, good choice. Good choice. Go back there. Let me. Well, let me interject. I, I, I don't know, Ramon. I don't know who your inspiration was or influences was uh, going into this film, but I did feel a little early Spike Lee. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Of course. Spike. So, yeah. I mean, I don't want it yeah. to sound as cliche New York. I mean, it's an obvious connection, but I wanted to make sure what I was watching, especially in the beginning, the mm -hmm. opening dialogue, the transitions, 
stylistically, how we, you get yeah, stylistically, yeah. this felt right. like do the right thing. Yeah. She's got to have it. I felt that vibe, mm-hmm. and I was yes. like, okay, yes. So again, fam- familiarity is a is a big thing with me. How can I relate to this character? You're not only having relatable characters, but you're having a a, a relatable director in my life. Yeah. Growing up watching films that the early years, especially that I connected to. And I was like, ah, okay. I know yeah. where we're going. I, I, I can dig this lane. Now that's nothing wrong to say being in unfamiliar territory is a bad thing because I always want to be shocked or put on a path of some type of like, Oh, that I didn't see at that point of view, but considering, you know, especially when uh, aspiring screenwriters and filmmakers, the, the mentors always say, write what you're familiar with, do something yep. that you're familiar with. And this felt like, a first time project, even though it was not a first time project as far as like how intimate, how familiarized the the audience can be with your characters. So I want to commend you on that part. Both you guys and Thank give you, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. This really quick. The one, the scale and scope of New York is uh, is a key thing in Spike, but more importantly, how. Spike scales up New York in, in the, as the environment, but then the narrative, the actual story between the characters is grounded in a smaller uh, area like, um, like the Bronx or mm. Brooklyn as opposed to, you know, um, Upper Manhattan or somewhere like that, like a Woody, Woody Allen uh, film. But then the other thing is uh, the, the big example was... Um, the speaking directly to camera um, mm. from the point of view is supposed to be from Sam's point of view, but we don't see her. We just see who's speaking to her and, and then the editing back and forth or well, not back and forth, but the, the, the almost like a montage of people speaking to Sam. Um, that's a very spike, another spike trope that I, I picked up on. And, and you use these things to communicate the language of cinema and that's why using, you know, creating, using what you know or borrowing from those artists that you know, that's when it's very, it stands out the most because it's not just you had that scene there. This is the language of cinema. This is specifically designed to con- to connect with you and create an emotional feeling and also to continue to build the stakes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I um, I want I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing it just because. Oh, I want to do a cool Spike Lee thing, but I also wanted to make sure. You know, like I know sometimes people will want to just like forklift something they love from another director in there, but it's like it's part of the toolbox. Like you know what I mean. So what if I want to show if I want to show that someone you know what uh your your someone like me and Jenny experience when people you know, talk down to us for not knowing Spanish. How does that feel? It feels just like something out of a Spike Lee movie. So let's, you know what I mean? Versus then just like trying to like do something that add a lens flare just because there's a lens flare because we love JJ. Yeah, you know, <laughs> now we, but. <laughs> now we <laughs> know, bro. Speak for yourself. Yeah. Um, Speak for yourself. Uh, I'll believe I'm going to. I'm going to. Why are you baiting D'Angelo like? <laughs> I was trying to be nice today. <laughs> no, I will add on and say there was uh and 
correct me how I pronounce this guy's Jim Jarmusch, coffee and cigarettes. I felt little sprinkles of that mm. type of dialogue. Jim yeah, so, and I, that is one of my favorite filmmakers. So, again, you speak in my love language with the stylized way you, you shot this. And um, one of the few scenes that did give me, really gave me glimpses of early Spike was the podcasting scene with you, Jenny, and like mm. how yeah. intimate the camera got to you. And in that scene, you didn't feel like the camera was on you. You, it was like you were shedding your shell within the character. Like I understand, as an actor, you have to get in that mode because it's a different period. But like, it felt like you were figuring yourself out and you were really truly being yourself, even though you weren't there yet. It was the one true moment where we saw a moment of where, oh, this is who she really can become. Hmm. But you were unconscious of it as a character, but we as an audience was like, oh, there's something there. Yeah. It's podcasting, you, right? Did you feel like your device, did you feel like the, the character sort of began to reveal itself in those moments for you in a different type of way? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's something very freeing. I mean, you guys all know this from having your own podcast and being behind a mic and, and you know, there's no... No one's watching you. And when you're recording, especially on your own in a very narrative type of podcast like Sam had, you know, they're all, all bets are off that there's nowhere to hide. You have no choice. And I think that was a really fun journey to be a part of as an actress because, you know, thank you for pointing that out. She is figuring herself out as she's behind the mic. Um, it almost it to me when I watch the scenes back, I think uh, they feel very naked. And very vulnerable because you know she's saying how she feels and just going through this breakup and why am i jealous and why am i trying why am i how can i navigate these feelings without shitting on somebody that i seemingly like but i don't know if i should be using him because if i'm like there's so many different emotions that she goes through um and that was a really cool setup because it, it was a very tight shot but you as an actor have to you know just not you have to ignore it and um i think that's one of the biggest challenges of being an actress too is Sometimes the most intimate scenes, which, you know, if you've seen playing Sam, um, there's a scene where I'm getting very intimate with my boo, uh, you know, and that was a very tight scene as well. You know, it was it close set, but still just what I think maybe two or three of us in the room and then me and Mark. And, you know, you just have to really forget that those cameras are up on you and you better be in that scene, because if not, everybody is going to be able to tell. Uh and I felt that way. I felt that pressure in a good way uh, while we were doing the podcast scenes. I yeah, I think it was only me and Lionel and was in the room. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, and it's a good device because it, like you all pointed out, it's it is a moment in which she's totally vulnerable. And I like the way that this frame and also the camera not kind of moving along with, as she's speaking, but. It's one of those things where she she's speaking and she's saying these things out loud, almost as if she needs to hear them and no one is responding. She does, it's not like someone can call in and, you know, respond like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, girl, you're right about that. No, it's like she's saying this and she has to, like, take it in and think about it and process it as she hears these words come out of her mouth. And I think that's why the podcast is such a cool device for further developing the character as she goes along her journey. Well, yeah. uh, Ramon, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, Lionel. Uh, talk about, if you can, uh, a shout out to Lionel and Bert. Um, talk about both 
the 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 deep the, the process of working with Lionel as a DP and then also talk about uh the edit process, which I know are two radically different uh two 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 different points in 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 uh making the film. But if you could talk about both the 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 process of working with Lionel as your DP and then sitting with uh with Bert and sort of going through the process of sort of remaking playing Sam 2.0 in the edit room. Uh, yeah. So as far as shooting, um, I had two DPs on set. Mm. Uh, that was done intentionally. Uh, Lionel was the, the prior, the, the primary DP. He chose the weapons. And then I had the second DP was a young filmmaker. His name was Andrew, Andrew, um, Garcia and Andrew Garcia. Um, I'm a big fan of his work. Uh, he made a, a short documentary called uh, uh, The Sunset is Not a Permanent Home. And I was so impressed with how he shot it. And he, it was very, very much in the style of playing Sam. And what I did was I connected Lionel and Andrew. And I said, Lionel, I want you to see what Andrew did. I said, Andrew, I'm going to need your ideas. Some of these ideas that you apply to Sunset is Not a Home. And I would like to see it. I would like my film to feel like this. So he was really like, it was very collaborative between the three of us. Uh, and uh, so I thought we achieved it. We definitely achieved it, which was very much that the camera was very fluid. You know what I mean? It was very, every, it was it was never still. The camera was always moving. And it, it, and it did create um, an intimacy to it. Uh, so... I thought that was the most important part that we all worked as a team because he had so many ideas. He's like 20, he was 24 and he's got yeah. kids like directing such phenomenal, you know, phenomenal things that I was a personal fan of. We met in the film festival circuit. Both our films were shown at the same time, our shorts. Uh, and he's a, he's, he's a, he's a collaborator to this day. So uh, that was one thing that I wanted to do because I knew that I didn't have all the know-how to direct uh to direct it I, I i'm a very i'm very aware of my limits i'm very aware and i know that i tap into the tools to help me get through that and andrew was a tool in that sense and he 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 he, he applied so many creative ideas for us and you know there were even there was a time i remember the the shot when jenny sees mark's sketch that she doesn't like she looks at the camera she walks away I remember I was so overwhelmed from that day. I mm -hmm. I turned to Andrew. I said, Andrew, I need you to just find me a shot, a a good shot of just her looking at the and walking off frame. Just find me the best shot in the room. And he showed me. He goes right here. I'm like, that's a great shot. Let's go. Like there were there were like at least a handful of moments where I needed like his ideas and I needed to tap into some young filmmaking like genius to help me. You know. Fill my gaps, you know. Um, and as it far as kudos to you for not, you know, for not, it's very easy to fall into knowing how to yeah. do all of those things yeah. and then doing all of those things. You be, you know, you you find yourself being the DP, being the editor, being the, you know, being yeah. being the assistant editor, being the one that's mm -hmm. doing the lighting. It, 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 it's easy because you know how to do. You've done all of those jobs right. in yeah. in one way, shape, or form. So it's very easy to fall into that instead of being a collaborator and being like, all right, he's got that, he's got that, she's got this. 
you know, and just letting people do their job. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm a, uh, my ego is not my amigo and I know when to like go, <laughs> okay, I don't know. So I'm going to just bring people on board to help me find that, find that thing. And I still look good as a director and they yeah. look good as the DP. They look good as an editor. So speaking of editor, uh, Bert and I, we fought hard through this process. Um, and I'm glad we did. Cause I think that when you have, if it's too smooth an edit, then it's just going to happen. You, you need that tug of war. Bertman showed me so many things that I didn't think about and realized. And, you know, that fight is important for the film, for the narrative of this whole thing. And there were times when I didn't get what he was trying to tell me until he showed me. I'm like, you're right. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's why it took a year to edit it. I remember we, we, we cut the film. It took about four or five months. And then I said, okay, I'm going to take the film now and I need to sit with it for like a good three months. And I sat with it for three months. I, I did a couple of screen tests. I had like D'Angelo look at the film. I had, uh, I, I invited Rosa White to come over to my house and see the film. I had like a small group of people that, that just keep it a buck with me. Just keep it a buck with me. What is, what do I have? And what, what, what's, what's wrong? Cause I listen, like, you, your, your first job is if, if you ain't cringing at it, then there's something wrong, right? So you know what I mean. This and, word is knock it out the park. Then anybody knocks it out the park. Nobody, first, uh, nobody. First cut. Yeah, yeah. Scorsese. I got that from Scorsese. If you're not cringing at the first cut, then there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so um, so I took in all those notes. I recut the film. I changed the structure of the film a lot. There was a lot of scenes you did. that. Uh, yeah, that, that the beginning of the film was not the beginning of the film when we wrote it, but we discovered it as we were recutting it and I revisit it. Uh, and then, um, but I think what I love so much about this movie as just a person that watches it, because as someone that doesn't get tired of watching my own film, is uh, the editing style that Bert introduced, the montage that he did. Yes. yes. He, he knocked that shit out of the park. Those were yeah. things that I didn't think of i didn't think of and the layers jumped out at yeah. me man yeah yeah it really it really did a real story there was a lot of there was a lot of expert layering that i that i peeped you like the the monologue between your mom and jenny uh towards the end where you know one sentence sort of flows into the other but she stops speaking on camera yeah that's all burnt that's all i was gonna say yeah, that yeah. is i was I, you could you get ask d'angelo while i was watching I, in all caps, I was like, Burton Lewis Jr. So again, shout out to Bert. Shout out to Burton Lewis. I want to, I want to point out that, you know, you're directing two movies. You're directing one as it happens. And then you're directing another one in the editing room, you know, because you're recutting. And there's another aspect of the collaborative process of working consistently with the same folks because they're going to be an extension of your voice um you you guys know this you know certain directors work with certain dps and certain actors and they can they just link they the synergy is awesome and so <clears throat> i don't know how many projects you've worked with your your dp and your second dp uh before but like when you have that synergy you know when you have that moment of when you're telling your dp i need you to find a shot you entrust your DP to be like, all right, I know you can, you know what I'm looking for because there's moments 
during film, it's an ugly process where you just like you're tired. You're on the fifteenth hour. You're trying to get this last shot. It's not working, and then you know somebody comes out of nowhere and just pulls a rabbit out of hat and gets that shot, and everybody goes home because you know the movie movie making business. We see the end product, but yeah. the process in between it's a grind. It can be ugly. It can, it's so many things, and then at the end of the day, this collaborative process that everybody had their hands on. Yep. It's a beautiful moment when it works. And my next question to you, Jenny, is like, you know, on the actor side, you've put in this work, you've done this project, and then you got to wait a whole year to see the fruits <laughs> of your labor. How do you feel? Because as as a, one time I was doing the acting thing, and I used to like in the beginning, I like, man, I got to wait this long, and I forget project come out. And you just yes. want to see it. You want to see it instantaneous. But that's not how it works. I want to add add something to that. Did you did you uh, at any point were you invited to come to the edit room? Did you give any feedback on, on that on that regard? No, no. So I uh, yes, I feel the pain of waiting in post, but I also really respect the post process because the last thing that I want as an actor is to deliver this product hand it off into someone's hands and entrust them. And then they rush through and edit, put it out. And then you're not proud of what you see. Like, why was that rushed? Why, why'd you pick that shot? Why did you, you know, so I will wait however long it takes <laughs> when it is right. Great. I'd rather it take much longer. I'd rather come back and do reshoots. If that's a, if that's a necessity, I would rather it be right. Um, so that it's a great representation of an end product for all of us as a collective, which is what playing Sam is. So uh, I'd also, you know, I I saw it for the very first time um, when we did our screening in New York for our donors. And uh, I had a link. I had a screening link. I remember I begged Ramon for it. And I was like, I really want to watch this before I go and see it in front of other people and then watch me live. <laughs> He's unmuted. Oh wait, maybe I can't right now. Ramon, I think you you can mute yourself too if you gotta speak off camera. Oh, I thought I did. I'm so sorry. No yeah, worries. That mumble core at its finest, everybody. Just not a mumble core moment. Oh, I thought I the mic. I am so sorry, Jenny. No it's all good. It's all good, bro. You good. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I I had a screening link, and I really I first of all, I'm very proud of myself for having that and not watching it because I'm very nosy. Um, but I really waited until we were all together in the same room, and. I get very nervous. I get nervous because I'm really hard on myself and I don't like for other people to see that process because it's very private to me. So sitting in the front, I sat all the way at the front hoping like not many people would be able to watch me process this for the first time in front of other people. But I had my mom there. My best friend was there. But I remember Javier, um, Ramon's son, was was right at, across from me and he was watching me the whole time. <laughs> This is hilarious. I love it because he's literally capturing all of my authentic reactions. So we spoke afterwards and he was like, I saw you liked it. I was like, I did. I did like it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a very sweet moment between us. That's awesome. Ramon, is this your first time hearing her impressions about that? Uh, I knew that she avoided watching it and that she was going to see it. But my son did tell me, he goes, I was watching her watch it that she was really like, uh, she was in tatties. He's very intense. And so I knew that. And I'm glad that Jenny got to see it like that and not 
in a, on a link, you know, yeah. uh, I really didn't want her to see it without it being mixed. I didn't want her to see yeah. it without being color corrected. I didn't, because, you know, um, on very few people can watch a rough cut of a film unmixed, uncolor corrected, all these things, and then and not be distracted by it. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I know Jenny is an artist. I know I know that she probably doesn't sit in the edit room a lot. So I knew that and I didn't I did I just didn't want that to be the first time she experienced it. And um, you know, but it was very moving for me to just see how, you know, how happy her mom was to see this film. But, you know, to see these people and then just see how Jenny re reacted and responded to it. Um, so that was one of my best parts because, you know, she's my collaborator. She's my partner in this whole situation, in this whole film as well as a writer. So, uh, yeah, no, I trust me. I, I, I feel like, you know, it's like giving and I'm not trying to say like I'm giving a gift. You know what I mean? But it's like I'm, I'm, I feel I'm glad I was able to make jenny feel that way and and make yeah. you know even mark feel that way and alana and bill uh because they are working on something where they're not being told how to how to be how would it be they got to have creative input they all did you know yeah and so there's like an ownership that they had and they all did a great job jenny was this your first uh feature as the lead were you, this your first leading film no, no, I ha I did another feature many moons ago, um, and this is where the I'm hard on myself will come out. Uh, so I don't talk about that at all. Okay. I, I won't even say what film it was. You don't need to see it. Um, but I, like, yeah, but those are things that you. Mm -hmm, nope, I won't. And don't trust me. I'm good. I'm tight lipped. Uh, but those are the the films that you learn from as a performer. The ones that you. I won't say that I'm not proud of it because I think that as a collective, you know, we, we deserve that opportunity as artists. Yep. But there are moments when you don't do your best work and you are not present every time you walk on a set and that translates. Yeah. And like like Cameron, you said, the camera does not lie. <laughs> you can't run away from that. So I, I see those moments as more great. This is teaching me to, you know, get ugly stop worrying about what you look like on a camera you don't have to sit straight and it's okay if you're like you know for me my body is also uh i've had a journey with with how that is translated on a film you know sometimes what you see is not what you think you look like and so you know now i'm in a really comfortable place with that where i feel like i love that i i love that i did a, a love scene you know where i'm making it like because we we be getting down like we, everybody gets down so being able to show that i think um i was really cool but yeah no there are there's some other things that are out there that you know if you do some digging i'm sure you'll find it <laughs> oh yeah there's um there's this, a sketch on youtube of jenny it was like a prank show where oh yeah jenny lifts an entire cab mm -hmm. and she's just as a meter maid it's out there. What's it called, Denny? Go ahead. So that one I love. That's a that's super strong meter made. I, I got to shoot where uh, Michael Kravika, who was so funny, he just uh, sent me a message on Instagram. So that was weird happenstance that just popped up. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he let me be a meter maid and lift an actual gutted New York City taxi for three days on a shoot. And I had so much fun fucking with people on the street. <laughs> yeah. I felt so strong after that. <laughs> She's like, you gotta move the car. I can't move the car. She goes, okay. I got to. It's everyone's dream. That's all you want to do when you want to park a car or move it. You just want to pick that shit up and, you know. 
had to go on its way. <laughs> another, another thing I want to go back to um, with your character, Jenny. Uh, <clears throat> I found out the movie had it was very it was like a therapy session in various scenes. I felt like the podcast was a therapy session. I felt like your best friend was a therapy session. I felt like your uh, the actor Mark was a therapy session because he peeled some layers from you. And I felt like the casting director was a therapist. She was able to, it was a breakthrough. And so I felt like Ramon, you built, you built something up where, uh, it felt like one big therapy session of discovery. Mm -hmm. And, but there were moments where I was like, Oh, this is her therapeutic moment where she's talking. She's figuring it out. Layers are being peeled and self-discovery. And I felt, that connection with that character and I felt some magic and I felt like we were having an honest moment right there. Even the physicality in the uh, acting class scenes. Yeah. Another that was that seemed like almost another form of release and therapy for for the character. Yeah. And I think it really uh the whole thing I kept thinking and I think I had mentioned this to Ramon back when he told me what the title was and what it was about. I think the only thing I kept thinking was all the world's a stage. Like this is a this is the perfect cinematic interpretation of that Shakespeare uh, mantra that hmm. everybody's performing and all the world's a stage and only in those intimate moments like with the podcast like with Sam and her between Sam and her friend and, and Sam with Mark Rain's character um, only in those times do you really get the authentic self and I think because of the again the, the choices made by you guys as filmmakers, both in the performance and in the cinematography, drives that home all the way because you, the camera is sometimes in an awkward position and, and the scene itself is awkward. So it's it's moving and it's keeping that that narrative flow and that theme going. And it, it, it resonates with not just the performance, but again, the, um, the camera work as well. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna tell Lionel you said that because yeah, Lionel. Um, Shout out to Lionel. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Lionel's great. He is harder. He is one of the hardest working. If you ever look for a DP, he's one of the hardest working people on your set, and it's worth every dollar you pay that he asks for. All right, because I'm telling you, he's that's who you want. You want people like that uh, that works hardest. And then he had so much. Like he's the one that came up with the idea. He goes, "Well, look." If you're trying to make something in five days, then we probably need to be a little bit more nimble on how we do this. Two cameras, okay? Uh, we're not changing lenses. We're doing zoom lenses, all right? Mm -hmm. He's going to be tight. I'm going to be wide, all right? We're going we're gonna to be moving. We're always going to be shooting it. It's like he helped me to like make it possible to execute this in the time that we had, which was not a lot of time. So he's like, you know, and you only got three takes, bro. You got, that's it. We got to go, you know? It's like, <laughs> It was just things like it was things like that that you know he helped me figure out how I could achieve it. But when you have a, like a, a really crazy plan, he's the one that's going to help you figure out how to execute, you know, how to achieve it. Yeah, yeah he's good like that, Milana. He's like you said, hard work, hard work. Lionel the Jowie, man, remember his name. He also just has like the best energy on set. Like there, I think there was a lot of magic between. You know, Lionel, Bert, Ramon, Jess, Janita, like all of us that came together behind the scenes. Not I don't remember one day where there were some long days and there were some days where, you know, we couldn't 
get to a shot or we couldn't figure it out. But not at, at no point did anyone have an attitude or, you know, feel like start getting negative. Like we were all in this to try and figure it out together as a team. And I think that that in and of itself speaks to how special uh, and unique this cast and crew crew especially really uh worked out to be yeah it's inspiring like i said it's been uh even those the usual suspects that team that you just named it's it's been a journey yeah uh, from where and so you mentioned it like the long days and no nobody's biting at each other i'm thinking like mm, i remember there was some times when back in the day you know before we got to that point. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but but you know, but that my I bring that up because it goes back to what I said about again, it's this is a journey. And in the collaborative process, it has been a journey for you, uh, Ramon, starting with the exception and then along the way the team grows bigger, Jenny comes on board and then and Mark and you have all these collaborators, Andrew Garcia and and so then it, by the time we're getting to the point where playing Sam is ready, it's just a well oiled machine. Now that's the reason I brought it up, thinking about the the old the olden days. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No, well, uh, uh, thanks to BET, that was where we learned how to work together. Yeah. During dream circumstances. They yeah. played they played a huge role and I will always be yeah. grateful for for that op- those opportunities uh, that we that we were able to take advantage of and uh, the support that we from, from I had another question, but I felt like we just ended and bow tied it on a good moment. And yeah. I want to thank our guests, Ramon Pesante and Jenny Rizov, for coming on and letting us give them their flowers for such a beautiful project. Uh, loved it myself personally, and I, I speak for the rest of the crew that we thoroughly enjoyed it. And we thoroughly enjoyed you guys coming on to our show and giving us a little glimpse and peeling some layers back for the movie Playing Sam. We thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you, so Blurds. Thank you, guys. Appreciating that, my friends, has been another Blur Lines episode. I'm Cameron. With me to my left is Professor D and my right, Mr. Joshua Coconut, whatever you called yourself. Uh, <laughs> I believe it. I believe Brown it. Coconut. Dark, dark coconut. Dark coconut. Dark coconut. Dark coconut to you. And we <laughs> are signing off. Damn.